Welcome in to a new Buff Stampede radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, joined by football analyst William Gardner. William, a couple weeks into camp, uh, just curious to get your thoughts. I kind of at this point of camp, sick of hearing myself talk, so uh, I'm anxious to get your thoughts here on the podcast. Well, I think it's pretty exciting times. I think it's, uh, I don't know, it, it feels like it's a different camp than what we've had in the last. Uh, well, 10 years, I don't know, but it, it's sometimes hard to remember exactly what you were thinking and feeling a year ago watching camp and all that sort of thing. But it, it just sort of seems like it's an entirely different level of talent, both in coaching and and players. And there's an intensity there um, that I don't think was there uh, for any time, you know, in quite a while at CU. So a lot of, lot, you know, I you know, just looking at one of those videos yesterday and um uh, saw Des Moines Kennedy on the sidelines. I thought that's a big darn linebacker right there. And uh, you know, and you hear about how fast he can run, and you think of what a, what a, what a package that is. So uh, it sounds exciting. Um, I think the offense looks like what we expected it to look like, and it's probably still pretty vanilla. Um, but I think we're going to move the ball a lot and score a lot of points. And the question marks were made on defense. So uh, I don't know. That that that's my feeling so far. I love the. Um, I, I, you know, Deion Sanders is a motivational genius. I mean, that, that guy, and I don't mean that in a gimmicky sort of way. He, I don't know if you saw that video yesterday where he's talking about taking the pins out of his toes, Yeah. but that, that grab, that really got me. I, you know, it was just really, it was heartfelt and real and it was it's his life. And, you know, he talked about, uh, you know, I never going to high step and dance like I used to, but I'm just looking for normality. And, you know, as a 58 year old guy, I get it. <laughs> That means a lot to me, you know, and I'm sure it meant a lot to those kids too. Um, to have and then having somebody like Terrell Owens show up, and I mean, these are the kinds of things that that are just never were a thing before, you know, without without a guy like like Prime in the house. So I don't know. There's a lot of excitement. I I, I think if you can't be excited about CU football right now, probably need to give it up and get a new hobby. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's impressive that Coach Prime has dealt with all this and kind of deflects the attention, you know, and, and doesn't seem to uh, want it to be about him. Uh, you know, somebody as famous and, and as wealthy as he is uh, to have all these health issues and still like his priorities yeah. are with the young men that he's coaching. Uh, yeah. That's pretty special. And, and I know I want to jump in there and, you know, the, there's a lot of talk about the fight in practice yesterday and his comments to the team about how two guys walked off and you don't walk off and leave your guys there. And you know what, if you don't get that, this is not the sport for you because this is a gladiator sport. This is a full contact. It's not, it is hand to hand combat in there and fights will happen. And that's part of the game and it ain't the end of civilization, you know, where that's not the civilization going down the drain or any of that crap. It, it's just the nature of the game. When we, you know, when we played under Bill McCartney, there was fights and practice all the time. And that is the nature of taking highly competitive, really, you know, high level athletes and putting them against each other in, in a high stakes game where, you know, the winner plays and the other, the other one doesn't. But what he was saying was not go start fights, but if it happens and your teammates are in one, you go to support them and you go to help them out. And in other words, we don't back down and we don't walk away. And I think that's a message that's been missing from CU football for a long time. And it may be the key, quite frankly, to me, um, that sort of toughness and expectation uh, on this team. 
I mean, CU's best teams historically have been the teams that have been the chippiest, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, well, you know, those, those guys back in the 90s and the, in the late 80s, you know, they went after each other. I and mean, they're a bunch of future NFL guys all, you know, and nobody, nobody wanted to be the guy that got beat. And as I sort of watched that uh, uh, thing develop yesterday, you know, it looked to me like um, uh, Jared Lichtenhan was blocking the daylights out of somebody. And and I don't know where, who got mad at who, but, uh, you know, that's a big darn dude. Maybe you're not a... <laughs> not to cross him. I think Tank thought that his running back got hit a little late in the end zone, but uh, yeah, I it's probably more a product of we're two weeks into camp than anything, right? I think well, it, something something was probably going to set him off because well, uh, I you know I I got to break in right there because I think that that immediately makes me think back to all those years, uh, you know, under under Hawkins and. Um, or and uh, and and McIntyre, whoever you know, where Sepho Lufau's getting his brains bashed in by UCLA, and our doggone offensive linemen aren't doing a damn thing about it. And it used to make me so mad, and made me mad at the coaches because the coaches didn't expect them to do anything about it. And that's the difference now. Because I tell you what, anybody gets a, a, a I, I pity the I'm going to chanter my inner inner uh, Mr. T here. I pity the fool who takes a shot at Shadur this year. Ooh, yeah. Because you know, five, five, five or six hundred pounds, or a couple thousand pounds of uh, angry buffalo are going to bear down on them. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that that doesn't happen. But uh, you know, at some point, unfortunately, Shadur has to be live out there on the football field. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, just with this competitive environment, how you feel about some of the positions in terms of the depth. I feel like there's a few positions like edge that I actually feel a little bit better about now a couple weeks into camp than I did going in. Uh, but then you look on the flip side, tight end probably is more of a concern now with some injuries there and not a massive concern because I don't think that is a vital position for this offense. And I think as coach prime said, guys like Mikey Harrison can, can be serviceable in that role. But uh, yeah. those are a couple of positions where maybe they've trended uh, in different directions here the last couple of weeks. I mean, I, well, I mean, I wouldn't say tight ends a different direction. There wasn't anybody in that position to begin with, frankly, but you know, I think if Caleb Fourier somehow could find a way to stay healthy, he'd be a pretty darn good tight end at this level. Oh yeah. Uh, He just, I I mean, at this point, I don't, and it's nothing against him. He just, he's literally been hurt pretty much the whole time, even came to to see you with a broken leg. So uh, it's just been unfortunate with him and and having to spend so much time in the training room, but we had one spring where he was kind of healthy and he looked really good. Yeah. And I think he could be something special, but you know, I mean, Harrison and, and Yelverton are both doing a pretty good job and you know, this offense doesn't need a tight end to be spectacular. It just needs the guys that do what these guys are doing. So they're figuring it out. You know, what I like is that they're figuring out a way around it and, and you know, um, Brewster's not going to make excuses. He's going to find a way to make it work, you know, but I think uh, some of the other positions, like, uh, like I, I think we're finding more depth at the defensive tackle as we go along. I think that uh, uh, Bishop Thomas has really shown well. Amari McNeil's had some moments in there. Uh, Chaz Wallace, from, you know, a little bit has has shown something. So uh, Leonard Payne has kind of been a little bit of a disappearing act to me. I thought he'd be more uh, active in there, but uh, Shane Cox has certainly been everything that, that we expected. So I think defensive tackle looks a little better. The edge, like you say, um, Savelle Small is a little bit of a disappointment so far, but Arden Walker um, 
has looked really good. I felt like uh, so far, Taj McCoy, who who I thought would have this kind of a, a, you know, what he showed in the summer showed me he had that talent. He he he's also a guy that sort of stepped up as a very young kid. Um, and then uh, Kyrie Mans Mann. as well. Yeah, right. I was going to say, just saying the last couple of days, Kyrie Mans is, is stepping up there. So uh, I, I think um, you got you got a dynamic young coach there and you got a lot of guys fighting for playing time, which is a good recipe for getting results. Today's episode is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. Is your business looking for financial guidance and support, but not yet big enough to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hiring a fractional CFO who can work with your business on a part-time basis. You get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. And here's the best part. It's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with us. For more information or to set up a meeting, please visit MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y Capital.com. All right, let's go position by position and just talk about some of our depth chart predictions that obviously could change again uh, in the coming weeks leading up to the season. Uh, but I, I think this is a good way to just kind of look at each position now a couple weeks into camp and maybe how some things have changed. And I don't know, William, maybe there's some guys that you voted on the top of countdown that you feel different about. Obviously, I think we would have had Bishop Thomas higher on our list, right? So yeah. uh, let, let's do this position by position, and, and that will give us a chance to talk about some of the early risers of camp. Okay. I mean, quarterback Shadur Sanders has been – Everything a Colorado fan could have hoped for through 11 preseason practices. Uh, he's been uh, pretty special. Now, uh, in the scrimmage, there were some times it looked like he held onto the ball a little bit longer than he'd be able to in a game. Uh, but, I mean, you got, you got to be as pumped, if not more excited about that position than you were a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I got to, you know, I got to make the comment that, look, if you're trying to derive anything from a first scrimmage of the season, you're playing a fool's game because you cannot, you cannot take anything from a first scrimmage because it's the first time out there where they're really running full, full speed live. Um, and, uh, you know, they're going to all get better from what they were there. And, and uh, you know, I think they're still getting used to, to his, his receivers and, and offensive line or whatever, and, and, and the offense itself. So, um, I don't see any problems with that, but, you know, I think he's shown enough to me, you know, to suggest that he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in a very good quarterback conference. And obviously the big question remains, who's going to back him up uh, early in preseason camp. Sean Lewis said that Gavin Colt had been showing a little bit of the fact that he has some experience uh, post high yeah. school. Um, is he, is he going to be the backup quarterback? He seems to get the most run in the behind the scenes videos. I, I think we've seen him more than we have Ryan Staub and, and Casey Wiseman. Well, I think you're right. I think, I think you hit it right on the head. I think this is going to be a, a developing situation as the season goes on. Cause those young guys, you know, I mean, how many, how many true freshmen come in and are ready to play college ball? You know, it's, it's a very small percentage. And so I think, um, Gavin Cole has that uh, advantage that he has played before, and that's going to put him ahead of the game. But now let's see what happened 
uh, you know, as we go, keep going through a few weeks and a few game weeks or whatever, and see how Ryan Staub and Kays and Wiseman develop and, and learn the offense and show what they can do and show uh, Lewis what their strengths and, and weaknesses are. Uh, I think that that's going to be a developing situation all the way through the season, quite frankly, because those guys are all so young and not established. As side note, William, I'm anxious to tune into some UTSA games this year and see Owen McCown play a little bit. I think you mentioned how difficult it is to come in and play as a true freshman. He was forced into that last year at CU. Uh, didn't have a lot of help in terms of uh, you know play calling creativity and in the receiver position was uh, not performing all that well. And so I think he's going to be a star at that level at UTSA. Don't you? Yeah. And I don't get that spot though. Right. I mean, he wasn't really week one to play. So I think that that's sort of what I'm talking about with these guys too, but yeah, I look forward to, I mean, all McCann walked into it. I think he just really got a bad situation. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure there's a quarterback alive that could have made uh, could have made something out of that. All right, running back. This is probably the most difficult position to project at this point. And the more I keep seeing Dylan Edwards in the end zone, I mean, how are they going to keep him off the field? I, I they're going to have to play him a lot, right? Well, they're going to have to play him a lot, but but I think they I think what we've seen is that they've already figured out ways to use him. To, to really productively uh, take advantage of his skills and abilities. Cause you know, he's not a pound of rock between the tackles kind of guy, but you know, who stepped up and who clearly should have been higher in our ranking uh, was Anthony Hankerson, who, who, yep. as far as I can tell right now is the number one running back um, and, and does do all those different kinds of things that allows him to be the starting running back. Dylan Edwards is a, is a unique talent. Um, and so you get him into situations and pit him against guys who can't cover him. And they're, well, okay, let's be honest. There are not a lot of guys that can't cover that kid. And so I think we're going to see him in the ends. I don't think it's a fluke. I think we're going to see him do that to other defenses, not just ours as well. But those two guys have by far been the stars of the, of the uh, running back room so far. Anthony Hankerson's got some Philip Lindsay in him, doesn't he? That, that pancake block in, in the backfield on Shane Cokes was, uh, yeah. you know, just the picture of determination right there. Yeah. I heard that. That reminds me of, of Philip taking on some of those 280 pound defensive ends and knocking them on their backside. But, you know, you know, in, in Shane Cokes's defense, it's like they, they do get a little bit of a blindside advantage on that sometimes, but, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, it, you like that you like a guy that's going to stick his face in there on a 280 pounder and, and not blink an eye, you know, and, and make something out of it. Uh, but I do think that uh, Hankerson also has that, you know, that dog in him, that that desire to prove something. And I got, you know, I would imagine here's a guy who's been here, you know, for over a year, never left, never talked about leaving. And yet, hey, it's 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 Smoke and it's Wilkerson, it's McCaskill. And who's this? This, this Hankerson, get, man, get him out of here. And you know, to a real competitor, that's got to, that's got to burn a little bit. And I think he's trying to prove something like, you know what, you, you guys shouldn't not discounted me from the start. And that was even last summer too, with Carl Durrell staff, you know, they were going to gray shirt Anthony yeah. Hankerson initially, yeah. uh, cause yeah. they were going to bring in a, a different transfer that, that fell through that back ended up at Kentucky. 
and they called on Anthony Hankerson to come in. And, and one of the few bright spots last year was, yeah, that, that determination again that he runs with right. is a thing of beauty. I might, you put a gun to my head, William. I think I got to put Anthony Hankerson in my top two right now. Uh, oh, the and that's what Coach Fleece says he's looking for is he yeah. wants and I and I love this. You could have five talented backs, but you can't give five talented backs lots of carries in the same game and have any of those guys get in a rhythm. So it's right. I love w- the way that he plans to utilize that position. Uh Alton McCaskill the fourth, it sounds more precautionary than anything, you know, in terms of him not right. being uh you know, full go in terms of being able to to get tackled. Cavosier Smoke told Jimmy Sirfassi he's dealing with a little bit of a leg injury. So I could see a situation, William, where Hankerson and Dylan Edwards are your top two backs for the opener, and then maybe McCaskill and Smoke are your top two backs at some point this season. Yeah, I think they give you, you know, Smoke, and and they they certainly give you a change of pace, you know, and and a, and a little bit of size, and you know, like a ha- little bit of a hammer to use too. I, I think that uh, they'll they'll have a role in that first game, no matter what whether they're starting or not. But you know, I think this offense is going to have guys that fit into certain categories. You know, the last the last staff had no clue how how to use guys' talents in certain situations, and this staff does, and so I think you'll see places for those guys all to make a, a contribution to the team. But again, two weeks into camp, you know, I, I, I would wait and see on everything because uh, we're just developing all this. And it's always been a, amazing to me, you know, 40 years watching college football and um, let's go, let's go all the way out to the first game that's starting 22. And that first game will not be what is the starting 22 in game 12. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's always amazing to me how it changes and develops and guys come along and develop and get better. And everybody seems to think at this point, like, well, this is who they are. No, these are young guys and they're going to get better as the year goes on, particularly with the kind of coaching I see out there on the field every day. And that's probably a thing we ought to talk about, too, as not a position, but um, the, the hands on teaching and coaching that I see out there is far and away beyond anything I've seen at CU in a long time. And that and it's important because these are all young guys still developing at the game. Who are your top two backs right now? Uh, I mean, I think you have to. I mean, it's, it's Hankerson and Edwards at this point. I mean, they're the two that that keep getting things done. Hankerson's the guy you want to have in there. You know, I think and I think you put them both on the field at the same time in some situations. You know, I don't know the offense well enough to to know how they would do that, but. Um, very clearly, Hankerson's the, the the top guy who can do just about everything, and his his pass protection um, is going to get him out there on the field. Um, so I, those are the top two, and the others to me are still waiting to show something. All right, a receiver. I think the pecking order is still similar to the way we saw it coming into preseason camp. That's with Xavier Weaver, Travis Hunter, Jimmy Horn Jr. being the top three with Giovanni Antonio right there. And then uh, we'd already been kind of praising some of the things we had heard about Omari and Miller, a true freshman, and Willie Gaines, who can play the slot and kind of back up Jimmy Horn probably in that role. So uh, even Tavares Dawson has shown some flashes and has got speed. So you've really got seven guys right now that you'd feel pretty comfortable putting out there. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, Javon Antonio is a grown ass man. I mean, that's a, he, he's got a place in this offense. And, and again, there's another guy with Dylan Edwards that you can use in a, in a way to make mismatches that are just uh, 
unbelievable, you know. So I think this wide receiver room is is, is going to really surprise and, and it's going to make some teams look pretty stupid, pretty silly. Um, you know, I mean, when you go second and third team, you're not really losing a whole lot. Uh, you know, those top four guys, I, I, I would have a hard time believing there's many teams out there in America this year that have a better top four receivers than, than Weaver and Antonio Horn and Hunter. I don't think we can hype Travis Hunter up enough. Like with some of the stuff we've seen out of him, it's yeah. unbelievable what he, what, yeah. it just, it, he's just a different type of athlete than, uh, pretty much everybody else in college football, you know, which, and, and they're, yeah. they're a rare breed of athletes themselves. Yeah. So it, it's just incredible with some of the things he can do. And and it's not just physical because it's, you, you watch him and, and it's, it's his mentality and, and how he views the world and how he sees things he's got. And, and I, it, it just occur, suddenly occurred to me, as I said, it, you know, he's got that, he's got that Deion Sanders prime mentality. I know what I am. I know what I can do. I have no doubts about my ability and I'm going to go out there and do it. Um, and you see that. And uh, I don't know. Just, there's just something that's, I, you can't come up with enough superlatives. I want to say something that's magical or something about the kid. And, 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 you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I sometimes hesitate to make crazy statements. Like he could be a Heisman guy they're talked about before the end of the season because i think he's going to do some crazy stuff on both sides of the ball they, there was that article about uh over and under on touchdowns and such uh as a wide receiver you know and you, you could do the same thing for interceptions on defense you know and i don't think he's going to come off the field during most games frankly and he doesn't he doesn't ever seem to get tired and you know uh some people are just like that you yeah know, there's like some, there, there's a five-star recruits, and then there, there, there is whatever Travis Hunter is. It, should they right. create like a a sixth star for, you know, generational type people like him? Because uh, I haven't seen anything like it in my time I'm covering Colorado, and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to again. So uh, the, these next uh, you know couple of years, folks really need to to take all this in because it, it's it's unbelievable some of the things that he's going to be able to uh, do out there on Folsom Field. Yeah, and I'm just even trying to think back through all the years of it, of anybody I can think of, you know, that that was like that, um, who who could just do things like that and take over and dominate like that in the game. Michael Westbrook, maybe Walter Stanley, I don't know, um, but uh, you know, and 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 Chris Hudson on defense, I know, but I, I it the the things he does out there, I I just can't wait to get him into a game, and you know, he, he I think maybe all 12 games this season, he's the best player in the stadium. Maybe. Maybe some, maybe some guys at USC, I don't know, but Oregon, but, you know, I think in most games, he's going to be the best player in the stadium. Again, it was a lot of guys I'd be worried were overhyping him, but I don't have that concern here. This yeah. is, uh, this is just different. Uh, yeah. Let's move along to a, a position that doesn't have a Travis Hunter and that's tight end. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. Mikey Harrison and Elijah Yelverton, I guess, are your your top two guys there now, huh? Yeah, which is interesting. You know, both both walk-ons, Harrison moved over from receiver. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to me. Harrison's kind of what um, uh, Sadu Traore could have been, I guess, if he had some heart. But uh, uh, 
like I said, you know, this staff is not making excuses and, and I, I know prime doesn't accept excuses. And, and I don't think that uh, Brewster's the kind to make it, make excuses. So they're figuring it out, you know, and they're finding a way to make it work. Um, working with Lewis for what he wants in this offense. And, and, you know, Michael Harrison's making some plays out there, catching some passes, getting some touchdowns. So that's what you want. You know, without wide receiver room, we don't need a tight end room, you know, that, that, that has uh, an all American in it. We need a tight end room. That's, that's gets that pass every now and then when they're all trying to cover the wide receivers and gets that touchdown pass because nobody's thinking about them Um, and, and, and blocks in the run game and what have you. So, I don't know. It's not exciting, but they're getting the job done. And Giovanni Antonio is a guy you can kind of, you know, almost have as a pseudo tight end at times, right? Because right. uh, we've seen him in some of the videos out there just getting downfield and, and putting some punishing blockers uh, on, you know, the second and third level. So um, also, by the way, I saw Giovanni Antonio and Terrell Owens walk from the lower practice fields at a very slow pace all the way up to the indoor practice facility going back and forth about things. I like that is a great receiver for Giovanni Antonio to have as a mentor right now. Right, right. right. You know, big receiver like that, who was, who was, and you know, and that's priceless to, to get that kind of, uh, you know, it, it's motivational and it, and it teaches you little tricks of, of the game. It's like, you know, if, if uh, you know, if, if uh, uh, Nate Solder was to come in and, and spend a couple of days with, with uh, Jared Lichtenhan and teach him just, you know, little things that most fans would never even think of, you know, a little hand placement here, here's a little trick, you know, here's a little dirty trick. Cause I guarantee you 10 years playing in the NFL is one of the best tackles. He knows some dirty tricks. <laughs> and quite frankly, that's the name of the game. And on, on the offensive line is dirty and nasty. So that it's exciting to see a guy like Terrell Owens come in and work with these receivers and do that kind of thing. Speaking of tank, he and saving on Washington, I think you could put in pen as the starting offensive tackles, I don't think there's been a, a whole lot of push to to steal any of those either of those two spots. I think they're pretty entrenched there. Yeah, I think Reggie Young has come along as a guy that can get some reps there and, and look okay. I think um, you know as a backup, and so that that's kind of one concern there. But uh, yeah, I I, uh, I am not backing off of my praise of, of Tank one bit. I think he's he he has so far in this camp stepped up to another to the next level where he needed to be. And he's going to be one of the top linemen in this conference. Anybody wants to laugh at it, go ahead. But uh, I'd be hard pressed to, to off the top of my head, pick a better tackle in the PAC 12 than, than Jared Lichtenhan. I think he's really going to shock some people and, and, and uh, show us some things. I mean, yeah, we got some pretty good pass rushers here and all summer long and now into camp, nobody's beat him. That I've that I've seen, you know, I'm not there every day watching every play, but uh, he's handled everybody that we've we put up against him, and I think he's pretty exciting. I was talking with Tank at Colorado's Media Day event, and I talked to him about uh, thinking that his progress had been pretty linear at Colorado. It seemed like every stage, every period of time, he would get incremen- incrementally better. And Tank reminded me that he had a lot to deal with some surgeries and. He didn't have really a full offseason until this past offseason. And so uh, he said, yeah, you know, I was getting better, but he feels like he's made the biggest jump this offseason, which could, to your point, could be kind of scary for uh, some other some other programs in the Pac-12 to, to go up against uh, uh, an improved Jared Christian Lichtenhan because he was pretty solid last year. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I really think he's going to play himself into a, a high draft pick and, 
Uh, I think it's going to show up this year and, and, uh, you know, he's becoming more comfortable with, I think he was really comfortable with this offense in spring. I mean, I, I, I keep going back to some of those scrimmages in spring and how, how good, how well he paired with Tyler Brown and, and, uh, handling that left side. And, and I think it's going to be even better now. And, you know, there's more, I, I, you know, I've been saying this for years. Um, how the heck does an offensive tackle at CU learn to pass protect when there's nobody can rush the darn passer, right? Not this year. You know, you got to do, you, you got to learn it in practice this year. So it's not going to be a big shock when you get in games and, and face a, a guy like that, because I've seen it in practice all along. So um, I think that's really good. I think some people have had some concerns about Savion Washington, but I don't have that concern so much. I think, you know, like I, I mentioned on the board, one of the plays I was watching that, uh, uh, you know, he got beat by Savelle Smalls, but his technique was bad. His footsteps were bad and he'll, he'll work on that. He'll get better at it. There was nothing wrong with his athleticism or whatever, whatever he's quick enough to do it. He just got to polish those skills a lot more. I think, and, and, and I think, I think what did hurt him about the lower level is he didn't need to, you know, uh, you know, when you're playing, when you're playing at Kent state, maybe you don't need to polish your skills and be the technician, but here at the power five level, you really do, even with his size. And I think he's learning that and, uh, we'll start picking those things up. Just going back to my conversation with tank, uh, I'm six, three, about two fifteen right now. I felt like an ant next to him. Yeah. He is <laughs> Every bit of what they list him at. Uh, yeah, if you ever want to feel small as a human being, just uh, seek out Jared Christian listen hand. Because uh, when I shook his hand, it almost looked like a, a little kid's hand going in, in there to shake it. <laughs> and, and he's not close to filled out, Adam. He ain't close to where he's going to be, you know, two or three years into the, into the league. He's going to be uh, so massive, you can't even believe it. Because uh, he's still kind of still kind of skinny up in that top upper, upper half. And it takes time. You know, the advantage he has as an offensive tackle with those long arms is a disadvantage when it comes to lifting weights because you got to move everything farther. And so it takes longer to build up that that muscle mass. But, you know, uh, he, he's a guy that's just at the beginning of his curve. And, and I think he's going to be very exciting out there. Um, so I think, you know, we got two good tackles. I guess the, 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 the big intrigue of camp for last week has been where's Tyler Brown. And I guess we got that answered yesterday. Yeah, and that's so I, I think Van Wells has probably established him pretty firmly as the number one center at this point because we've seen yeah. Landon BB get reps at, at guard. Um, and so you have I talked about running back being a really tight competition. You have a really tight competition at offensive guard. You mentioned Tyler Brown coming back, but he also missed, you know, some time. Uh what is that? Yeah, I think he missed 10 practices. So uh Jack Wilty, Jack Bailey mentioned BB's been practicing the guard those four guys you've got really good depth but you've got also got a really heated competition to find out you know which of those two are going to start on September 2nd yeah and I still think your front runners are, are Wilty and Brown you know and now that we get Brown back and they get some chance to, to go I mean I saw um in on one play Jack Wilty folded up Amari McNeil pretty good and pancaked him you know I mean one play guys can have a bad bad play but um it's nice that you got those those, including Wells. You know those four guys inside to, to man those three positions. So you're going to be too deep, very very solid, too deep. And whoever's the starter is going to earn it. Um, 
you know, unlike previous years, you know, where if you, you know, if you were the top guy, you got there, you didn't really have to beat out somebody good to get it. So um, I, I, I feel like whoever's going to win those spots, and I would still put my money on Brown and Wilty, but uh, I really like that Van Wells, you talk about linear progression, and so far Van Wells is doing that this year too, that he stepped up and, and, and is improving his game as well. Yeah, and he was a guy that Bill O'Boyle uh, wasn't overly critical, but he said that, you know, I can't wait till there's more competition here because I think Van Wells is going to need somebody pushing him. Um, yeah. And he, he stepped up to that challenge, it's looked like. And it looks like uh, Shadur was talking about how much he trusts the centers uh, that, that have been working with him in terms of just uh, there's certain things that the center and the quarterback need to be on the same page about reading the defense. And uh, it seems like he is really pleased with, with Van, what Van Wells is doing in that regard. So, uh, but I, I, it's, I would probably say Jack Wilty as well. Um, I, I don't know, is 10 practices uh, enough to think that maybe Jack Bailey has kind of gained an edge there. It's hard to say. I think we'll go going back to the, the, the comments with uh, Shador. The other thing I liked is that uh, there seems to be a communication and a chemistry between him and Wells too. Cause I think Wells mentioned that uh, sometimes I can't see what's out there. You know, when I'm down, I can't see how they're developing and, and Shador will make a call for me or tell me what's going on and give me a, and, and, you know, when a quarterback and a center work together like that, uh, that that's, that's, you know, uh, I don't I'm trying to think of the term we used to use in the military about, you know, added, added, added uh, bonus to uh, that teaming up. But um, Bailey, I think, has gotten uh, a lot of playing time and I probably got that. I think it's, it hasn't hurt, you know, to have him get that kind of playing time with Tyler Brown out. And he's done all right. Um, I still am a little he, you know, he's a tough guy and a technician because he has to be because he's not as big as, as the other guys. Um, but he's certainly a guy that can play at this level. Um, you know, he's not going to be, you know, the kind of all conference kind of guy, but he's a, he's a solid kind of an offensive guard that you could put in there. Um, you know, you look at Brown and um, Wilty, and they're both they're both just so freaking ginormous. Um, BB's a different kind of huge. He's kind of sh- shorter and squatter. He's like a Joe Garton, where he's he. You look you walk, look at BB walk through the halls, and 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 he should be the one called Tank because he looks like a tank because he's as thick this way as he is that way, you know. Um, uh, and, and but uh, Brown and and Wilty are just so freaking huge. Um, but it gives you a nice four people to work with at those spots and, and gives uh, Bill O'Boyle something to work with. And quite frankly, like like he said, you know, having somebody nipping at your heels makes you work harder. On the D-line, obviously Shane Cokes is going to be out there as probably getting the most snaps out of anybody in that group. Uh, Chaz Wallace and Bishop Thomas are the other two that I have at the top of my depth chart right now. I think Amari McNeil would be in, in the mix there as well. What, what do you see as assuming it's a three defense alignment look with, with a couple edge guys out there, who would you have in your starting lineup at this point? Who did you say you had? Shane Cokes, Chaz Wallace, and Bishop Thomas. Yeah. Would, yeah. And, and, and um, Shane Cokes and Bishop Thomas, for sure. I think Bishop Thomas really showed something. And, you know, there was a interesting, um, point in one of the videos earlier this week where Bishop Thomas kind of standing on the sideline. I'm pretty sure it was Bishop Thomas and uh, coach prime is giving him the business. 
and you know uh, Bishop's trying to give him some excuses and 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 coach prime he was he he was hot and and he said I didn't bring you in here to make excuses I bring you in here to rush the passer and you, are you rushing the passer no you're not rushing the passer so get in there and do what you were brought in here to do um you know, which is interesting to have a defensive back and a coach has has never played line, get in there and get right up in the face of one of his big defensive tackles and challenge him. And I think that's what some of these guys need. And I think Bishop Thomas is one of those guys, you know, with that sort of pride that he's going to, that's going to fire him up and get him out there to do something. But he's also got that size that's lacking in some of those other guys. Um, so Cokes and Thomas, for sure. I don't know about that third spot. You know, I mean, Chaz Wallace, maybe, I still think Leonard Payne needs to show something. Um, you know, we haven't seen Chance Maine or Taj Alston really uh, either on the edge or or inside so far do a whole lot. So I, I'd like to see more from those guys. I'm a little bit surprised to have seen more from those guys. Um, my top, I guess, I, I I couldn't pick really, frankly, at this point for that third spot. I think but yeah, to be- that is a position they're going to rotate more than any other. So I, yeah. I do think Cokes Wallace, Thomas – Taj Alston, you mentioned Chance Main more kind of maybe as like a third down type guy you yeah. put in there. Mari McNeil, obviously. And then you mentioned Leonard Payne Jr. I think that's kind of a group that's all going to play and, you know, health at that position is going to probably dictate, you know, the, yeah. the rotation a little bit as well. But you like those yeah. guys, you get a couple of injuries there, then all of a sudden you, you don't feel as good about the depth. Coach Prime City, he really likes the depth of that group. And I do think it is good depth in terms of the guys that are going to be part of the mix, but uh, just from a number standpoint, that that's a little concerning going into yeah. the season. Yeah. On the edge, it's pretty clear. I mean, Jordan, Jordan Dominic and Derek McClendon, the second got to be the top two guys there, right? Yeah, by far, you know, and, and it, there's a little less uh, uh, obvious things going on there. I, you know, I thought we'd see a little bit more from Kyrie Manns and Savelle Smalls at this point. Um, you know, but Arden Walker, like we said earlier, is coming along really well. And, and Taj McCoy has shown a lot as a true freshman. Um, but again, it's still early, you know, and I, and, and you know, like there've been signs in the last few days that smalls and mans are really starting to come along as well. But I think that uh, McClendon and, and Dominic, you know, in that first scrimmage, they both had a sack. Um, you know, some people were giving Washington, uh, saving on Washington a hard time, but it's like, well, those are not chumps you know, uh, McClendon and Dominic, not getting beat by, you know, the, the, you know, guys that we had playing defensive end the last few years here, these, these are legitimate guys who have proven things at the power five level. And I think they're showing that, that here now. Um, I love that interview with, uh, Dominic and, and tank talking about how they work with each other. Here's how I beat you and here's how you beat me and things like that. So, um, I don't know. It's exciting to me to see those two guys and if they can keep going like that and stay healthy, you know, man, it's been a long time since we had bookends on the edge. And, and these are legit. Both of these get, both of these guys, both of these guys are better than Jimmy Gilbert. I'm going to say that. Jimmy. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think their ceiling as a football player is higher than Jimmy Gilbert, but in that, 2016 season by itself. I mean, Jimmy was pretty special. There was a lot of things that came together, and I don't want to put him down or take away from what he did that year. Um, but having two guys on on either edge like that, I think you're going to see something from these guys. 
and I think both of these guys can be far more stout against the run too. They definitely both have confidence. They're they're confident yeah. young men that, uh, yeah, that are are fun in a press setting for sure. Yeah. All right, Kev. I almost said Kevin Hart again. Uh, Andre Hart, before, Coach Hart. Before we move on, it does yeah. remind me too that, that I was watching one of the videos and um, uh, Coach Williams said to Dominic, I don't know why Dominic wasn't in pads, but he, but he, he, he specifically told him, go work with Todd McCoy. And you see him mentoring the young kid. And, and I was impressed without pads on how big and thick Dominic was because I didn't really, hadn't really ever seen how big and thick he was. But I really appreciated watching how he worked with the young guy and giving him some of the tips and pointers. And that kind of leadership is, is, is priceless on a team too. All right, linebacker Andre Hart mentioned uh, about a week ago now that, hey, if the season started right now, Marvin Hamm would be out there as uh, that starting group. Do you buy that? Would you still predict Tavonta Bentley and Des Moines Kennedy will be out there? Or do you think maybe it's going to be Marvin Hamm and Des Moines Kennedy out there first snap against the Horned Frogs? Well, I think there's a lot of practices to be done yet for, for the next two weeks. But, you know, we talked about a little bit this when we talked about Marvin Ham in our um in, in our in our rankings when we got to him, we talked about, you know, you move a guy, you know, we 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 were both talking about we moved you they moved him into Mike and it all came together, right? And that was before camp started, we said that. And now it's it certainly appears to to be that way that Marvin Ham seems to have landed at the spot where he needs to eat, you know, and, and so putting him at Mike seems to have been uh uh what's bringing it all together for him. And, and, and it wouldn't surprise me a bit, you know, he, you know, he was a guy, he, he was, you know, not that it was a high hurdle, but he was one of our most highly recruited guys the last several years. Um, and so it's not a surprise that he turns out to be a player and he's been, been around a while. So he's a, a, an older guy. He's got, you know, bloodlines, you know, with family and whatever. So it doesn't surprise me. Um, I don't really know what's going on with Bentley and maybe nothing's going on with Bentley. Maybe Ham's just gotten that good. I don't know. But I think that there's those, those three guys are the top three. Um, and, and who starts and who doesn't maybe is not as important. Uh, might, might have something to do with what kind of a team they're playing. You know, it's so like the offense we're playing against TCU is more uh, a wide open spread side sort of thing. And maybe Ham runs better. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's what they're thinking. And then, you know, against Nebraska, CSU teams like that, we see more of Bentley. I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know why well, I'm not in that room when they're making their decisions about stuff like that. But um, the fact that Ham is up there pushing uh, Bentley is good for the team. And Jeremiah Brown is a guy I expect to see some on the field th- this season. He was a guy that played more on the edge of Jackson State, but I believe based on what Coach Hart said, he's pretty much been focused on linebacker uh th- this preseason so he's a guy that is a pretty good playmaker that i think they're going to want to get a little bit in the mix as well yeah and i think he's a guy that needs a little bit of time you know inside linebacker is as different from outside linebacker as a position can be because you know at outside linebacker it's it's, it's two reads it's run pass and it's coming at you or it's going away Right. And inside linebacker, it's all coming at you and you got to sort it out and figure it out and make something out of it. You know, um, so uh, I think it's a big, big change. And, and 
you know, some guys get in there and you, you got to see if they can, if they can sort all that stuff out and make the reads without the hesitation and stuff. So Jeremiah Brown may need a little bit of time, but uh, I think he's a good player in there. I like, you know, uh, I like the three young guys. I'm not sure if they're ready to go this, this year, but I think uh, Morgan Pearson, I've seen some things out of as well, but um, I don't know what's the situation is, is Brendan Gant playing now? I think he's kind of working his way into the mix as uh, as far as I understand. Uh, and yeah, I'd, he would definitely be a, an important depth piece at this point, having, you know, not being able to, to get all that summer work in um, or maybe he, you know, he could vault his way into battling for playing time down the road. That's a position numbers wise. You'd want another quality scholarship backer because, like you mentioned, your your starting twenty two is going to look a lot different in week ten, week eleven. So, right. yeah, and Gant was a guy that you know played some safety as well earlier in his career. So it'll be interesting to see just how the, kind of they use his versatility. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he's a guy that, that again, as we come along as the year goes on, that uh, we'll see him become more and more of a factor. So that that's a position I think that's going to be in a little bit of flux all the way through the season. But there's also different types of types of talent in there that you can use in different situations against different types of offenses. Can't wait to see Demoy Kennedy out there flashing that speed. It was fun when Davion Taylor would make some of those sideline to sideline yeah. plays, and I think we're going to see a heavy dose of that front from Demoy. And he, but he, and he's also a huge. He's a big, big guy big linebacker and, and I'm just very excited to see what he does. I mean, he's a whole different kind of a football talent than Davion, you know, cause he's got much more experience at the game. So we'll see what happens, but I think he's, he, you know, we're going to see why he was so highly rated. Um, and I think he's really going to come into his own. Cornerback. I mean, obviously Travis Hunter, we already spent a, a good 10 minutes praising him earlier in this podcast. That other spot, I made the prediction going into camp that it's going to be a Omarion Cooper, and I would still probably stick with that. Um, but and when you talk about true freshmen, you don't just mention Cormani McLean, William. You got to mention Carter Stoutmeyer as well. He has made some plays out there in his first preseason yeah. camp at CU. But I think I would go Travis and Omorian at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's what fun, you, you know, it's fun to watch them get. Yeah, I think probably so. But uh, it, it, it's fun to me, you know, every now and then you see. Uh, uh, Coach Prime out there working with those guys, you know, and he was sitting in a cart and, and, you know, he's telling, no, don't worry about that other hand, do that. And it's like, I, I, it just, I just, it just gets me goosebumps to, to think about. It. It's like, you know, it's like, uh, I'm a, I'm a piano player and I'm learning from Billy Joel, you know, or I don't know. It just, it's like, here, here's this guy that's the best ever at my position telling me how to do this, you know, and it's just sort of exciting and fun, but, um, I think there's some guys there and and it looks like Jack Kaz Robinson has been primarily at safety uh, up until this point, but I think he's a guy that could help there if they need him to, too as well. Um, but I don't know. I think you know, you're going to have to play a lot of cornerback bases versus the offenses that we're playing a lot of nickel. And I, I don't know what they're doing as far as nickel. And um, they, I don't know. They probably are not putting in um, game plan for TCU yet. So We'll see how they're gonna. We we may not see that at all. We may we may not know how, what they're gonna do with that until game time. I I wouldn't advertise it, but um, 
you know, we'll see what they do with it. And, and probably more than two of those guys are going to be starters. Yeah. Covering Colorado is, is pretty fun right now. I'm not trying to get banished from there. So uh, yeah, some of these things we are just going to have to wait until September 2nd to really diagnose and, and talk about, but yeah, I, I think right now at safety, I'd go Shiloh Sanders, Cameron, Silman Craig, and Tr- Trevor Woods as my top, but yeah, Jacquez Robinson's a guy you'd probably want to get on the field uh, behind those guys. I think Miles Slusher's there as well. Roderick Ward, even Jaden Milliner Jones. I don't know how much he was going to play as a true freshman. Um, maybe he'll be a special teams guy, but he looks the part for uh, being a, a, a first-year guy at Colorado. I'm surprised that SMU was the school he was going to before Coach Prime got hired at Colorado because he looks like uh, a big-time safety out there, just physically at least. Yeah, and, and you know, like I said, there there will be guys that, that that jump out and become sort of surprises, and I think he's he's one. Stoudmire maybe another one, um, but there's a lot lot that they can do at safety. And then, you know, quite frankly, they may they may pull their nickel back or whatever they decide to do out of that group um, and move somebody up closer to the line out of that group to to uh, uh, play some of that role. And, and you know, they'll have to start breaking down the TCU film and. Although who knows what TCU does with a brand new offensive coordinator this year. Um, so there, but there's lots of things to work with and lots of different types of talents in that room. Quite frankly, you know, I think Shiloh Sanders is a different safety than Trevor Woods and someone Craig and Slusher are different from both of those two. Um, so it's interesting to me. Um, and, and Sh- you know, Shiloh is another one that doesn't lack any confidence. I mean, there's a lot of guys on this team that do not lack for confidence, which I think is a good thing. A kicker, your favorite topic here, William. Of course. What do you think of this plan? You've got Jace Feely doing kickoffs. You got Jace Feely handling any field goal that's over 40 yards. And you've got Alejandro Mata doing the extra points and then any field goal under 40 yards. Well, it's not unheard of. I mean, teams have had long distance kickers and short, shorter kickers before, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't think kickers are necessarily a thing like a running back. We need to get in the rhythm of the game, but you know, they're going to do with, go with whoever they feel is most comfortable in, the, in each situation. It'd be nice if our kickoff guy kicks it deep into the end zone every time, but um, we'll see what happens with that. Um, you know, we're not really seeing it. None of the videos really showing the, the, what's happening with field goals, whether they're accurate or high or getting blocked or whatever. Like Coach Prime didn't mention that Jace Feely almost hit a 65-yarder. Did he? Yeah. 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 And I guess he's I guess he's healed up from his surgery then. So, uh, you yeah. know, again, different kinds of weapons for different kinds of situations, you know. Yeah, and that's something that, you know, if, could kind of just work itself out naturally, right, in terms of – who's having more success and you can maybe test Mata's leg a little bit more if, if Healy's not knocking those long ones in. But um, yeah, if you got a kid that can almost make a 65 yarder, you probably want to utilize that, that uh, you know, to your advantage as a football program. And Mata is very automatic, you know, on the shoulder field goals, but he just doesn't have the leg to be attempting kicks that, that long. Yeah. And I remember, you know, practices at CU under coach McCartney. And, you know, a lot of times you'd they'd end the practices with competitions between the kickers, you know, do we run or not based on how the kickers do. And I'm sure a lot of that was to see which one they trusted when game time came, you know, put them under a little pressure with all the players watching them and, you know, and, uh, uh, 
you know, I'm sure that that helped them decide which one to go with during game situations and what have you. So I think there's probably a lot of that going on with the CU coaches right now, too, trying to figure out the the sort of the limits for each guy, you know, and, and where their where their sweet spot is. I feel blessed that I got a chance to cover Mason Crosby when he was at Colorado because you talk about your your kicker bias there, William. I mean, you had to feel different about Mason, right? He was a kind of a rock star on campus, and all of his teammates just were in awe of some of the, th- you know, the, how far he could kick that football. Yeah. Well, you know, back in my day, you know, it, uh, we we had all American punter every year. Seemed like, um, you know, between Barry Helton and then um, Todd English, and that 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 was one of the best positions on our team. But they always seemed to be athletes too, you know, like Barry Helton was a quarterback. Um, Todd English was a big tight end type of guy, but, um, so it's not unprecedented in CU history to have, uh, great kickers, uh, on the field. So hopefully we'll see that again this year. And it does sound like they've got a pretty good punter in Mark Bassett this year. I haven't heard anything to the contrary, finished third in the ACC and punting average last year. So, uh, you know, it's good to have that position shore up as well going forward. Well, I was thinking they're they're probably not a, they're probably not going to be a bigger change in any position this year from last year than punter because poor punter last year probably kicked his leg clean off and the punter this year might not get out on the field. <laughs> well, remember they had to dismiss their starting punter from the team early in the season, and they threw Trent. Uh, Carrizoza out there, and he had a a pretty good average through a few weeks, but yeah, it was. A lot of wear and tear on on that walk on's well, leg. As well, God bless, man. It's like how many times can you punt in a game? You know, I I don't know if they keep track of that kind of thing, but we might have set records. Um, and th- this offense, I'm not sure we see a lot of the punter. Hopefully, knock on wood. Yeah. All right, William. Well, that was fun. Uh, there are guys that have been rising up here in the last couple of weeks, and I'm anxious to see how that continues to play out here leading up to the season opener. Can we get you on another podcast before the, the season kicks off? Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. We'll see how they, you know, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, maybe we get t- sort of closer to that that game. Um, we'll have a better idea of what, what's going on in each position and who's doing what. All right. Well, slowly but surely, we're getting close to that season opener. Thanks, William, and thanks everybody out there for tuning in.